All right, 1 Timothy chapter number 1. And I'm going to read verses 5 and 6 before we pray today. First of all, just to get a little background, we're actually studying this book on Wednesday nights. Um, if you don't got anything going on, on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, you ought to come and get in on it. We've been studying the epistles of Paul. And this one, this is a letter that Paul, a veteran preacher, minister that's been down the road, is writing a letter to a young preacher who's just kind of getting started. And, and uh, Paul had given Timothy a special mission. And that mission was to uh, work in the church at Ephesus uh, to help make sure that that church was going in the right direction, to make sure that false teachers weren't allowed to come in uh, and hinder the work of God there. And so picking up in verse, verses 5 and 6, he says this to Timothy, The aim of our charge is love that issues or comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Certain persons, some people, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion. So my question is this this morning, what is our aim? If we don't have an aim, we'll swerve. And that's what Paul is ultimately saying to, to Timothy. Timothy, you have a goal as it regards leading the church of Ephesus. And that aim should always be love. Love that comes out of a pure heart, out of a good, clean conscience, and a sincere faith. Otherwise, as some have done, there were people within that church that were trying to take them off a different direction. When the aim is no longer love, when the aim is religion, or when the aim is pride, you, you name it, if the aim is anything but love, then it causes an individual and ultimately an entire church to swerve. And that's what Paul was trying to avoid in that church. So let's pray this morning. Father, we come to you again, the author and the finisher of our faith. God, what you began in us, we believe that you're able also to finish. Today, we, we look to you and we just pray that you would give us a greater revelation of ourself. First of all, give us a greater revelation of you, who you are, what your will and your uh, way is, what your will is for our life and for our church. And then God, give us a good view of ourselves. Help us to take a good inventory to make sure that we've set our sights on the proper thing. God, that we're motivi motivated every day in all that we do uh, by love, Lord. We know that at, and at nature... Uh, we're selfish, prideful beings, but we believe that by your divine nature and through the work of the Holy Ghost, you're able to change us, you're able to fix us and help us to be what you want us to be. God, I pray for your anointing this morning as your vessel, uh, that you would just speak through me in the way that you want to speak. I submit to you, God, in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. 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 You can be seated. Thank you. So what is our aim? Paul says the aim of our charge is love. The aim of our mission, the aim of our command. What was the Great Commission, by the way? When Jesus left, what was the last thing He ultimately said to the church uh, when He left? Go out into all the world, preach the gospel, amen, to every creature. That's very simple. That's a very simple goal. Jesus gave us a very simple uh, aim, right? And so Paul says, if we're going to accomplish that mission that Jesus gave us to accomplish, it's got to be motivated by love. When you look at the Scriptures, everything Jesus did, uh, whether it was the, the multitudes that came together and He fed them in a miraculous way, the Bible says that He was moved by compassion. That's why He healed people. That's why He saved people. That's why He cast demons out of people, because of this deep love He had for them. Okay? Now, we don't have a problem many times loving ourselves, right? But the Bible teaches us to love others as we love ourself. So that's, that's, that's a challenge to us, right? So Paul says, make sure that our aim is love. And, and love, not just words. Not, I mean, you can tell people that you love them all day long. Words are cheap. 
not just love from, from, the, from the mouth, but love that comes from a pure heart, right? Not one that's defiled by sins and lust. Love that comes from a pure heart, that comes from a good conscience, and one that comes from a sincere faith. Not just a name it and claim it or just because I say so, but a faith that comes, sincere faith, that comes from way down deep that is birthed by the Holy Ghost. It's that kind of love that saves people. Amen? So we have to have a vision. A vision is, is an aim, okay? A vision is, having vision is being able to see something for what it should be or what it could be rather than for what it is right now, right? I have a vision. I see what this ultimately should look like. That's my aim. That's my vision. If you look at like, uh, oh, well, if you go into the gym at school, right? And as soon as you walk in uh, the lobby there, there's a great big old wooden bear standing over here to the left. You guys all seen it, right? Well, that big old wooden bear used to be a log, okay? That's the one that chased that teacher. That's the one that, it is. It's the one that, one that my dog killed. We had it stuffed. <laughs> I still think it's ironic that she says the story about my first grade teacher told her, I literally went to the funeral of my first grade teacher yesterday. So you should have picked a different grade. But anyway, uh, okay, where was I going with that? Uh, so... Uh, so you walk in, there's this big, this big bear, right? It's been carved out of wood. It used to be a log. And so somebody, was that Ralph Perkins? Ralph Perkins. So Ralph Perkins goes out and he sees this log, something you and I would look at it and just see a log. But he had a vision for this log and he saw a bear. He saw it for what it could be, not just what it was. And he, in the talents that God gave him, carved a bear out of that log. It's phenomenal. It's amazing. I wish I could do that. But what God, this is what Paul is saying. Ultimately, Timothy, what you're aiming for as far as the church is concerned, what you're aiming for as far as your family is concerned, as far as you're concerned, we've got to have vision for what our life and for what our home and what our church should ultimately be. Not always for what it is now, but what it should be. That's vision. That's having an aim. And that aim should always be birth from heart, from love, right? It's looking down the road uh, with, a, with a goal in mind. In fact, it's so important to have vision, to have a proper aim, that the Bible says that without it, people perish. Without a vision, or without a goal, without a, an aim, especially an aim of love, people will perish. Because religion, church services don't save people. Religion don't save people. It's the gospel that's birthed from the love of God through us and the love of the vessel that ultimately saves people. Otherwise, people perish. Amen? Without a vision, people perish. Without an aim, if, if you don't have a definite target, somebody's going to get hurt. Right? If you're out in, in, with a gun, let's say, you're shooting a gun, and you're just walking out around in your yard or in the woods going... <laughs> hoping that you'll hit a deer or a turkey or something, and you're just hitting, you know, shooting every which There's no definite target. Somebody's going to get hurt, right? So as a hunter, you know you've got to have a definite target. You know what you're shooting at. Otherwise, somebody will get hurt. And that's ultimately what Scripture is teaching us. If we as a church don't have a definite aim, if we're here to just kind of, you know, have church and go through the motions, somebody's going to get hurt. But if our, if our aim is to see the gospel of Jesus Christ grow within people's lives and we're motivi- motivated by love to do it, then people will be healed, not hurt. Amen? Been a lot of people hurt in church. 
because people's aim wasn't right. Their aim was, was not in the right spot. It wasn't love. Um, that's a whole other sermon for another day. Actually, I may come back to that here after a while. But, um, so let me ask you a couple questions specifically as it regards the most important elements of our life. Okay? Number one, let me start with this. I touched on this just a little bit last week, but let me just hit it real quick. What is your aim as a parent? Okay, that may seem like a very simple question. Well, of course, you know, I mean, it's, we want to love our kids and raise them. I, I think, the, as I, the more I study this, I think we have to have a definite aim. Something specifically that we're pointing our kids toward. You remember uh, in, in Psalm 127, verses 3 and 5 says this, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who's, who fills his quiver with them. You know what a quiver is? A quiver is a you know, container that you put arrows in. And so a warrior, you know, he wants to have a lot of arrows. And he said the more, basically what he's saying, you know, the more kids you got, the more blessed you are. Okay? Um, the bottom line, because kids are a blessing. They're a heritage. They're a reward for God. So when he uses this analogy... The, the same way that the, an arrow is in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of your youth. Your children are like arrows in our hands. So, like I said last week, we are the bow, right? Our kids are the arrow. They will go where we point them. And so we have to have a definite aim for where we're aiming our children. In many cases, there's so many things and responsibilities that we have as parents that are all good and we need to pay attention to, but it kind of ends up being we're, we're just aiming them different directions for different things. But if we are aiming our kids towards Christ in love, then all of these other things kind of take care of themselves. So, for example, let me, let me give you some examples. Number one, we say, okay, what's, what's my aim? I got a little baby. What's my aim uh, for, for that child, okay, well, I want to get it potty trained. I want to teach it how to uh, tie its own shoes. You know, all of that type of stuff. And that's good. That's, that's part of the goal as a parent. So, well, I want, to, I want to provide food and clothing and all the basic, you know, a roof over their head, the basic necessities. Make sure that they're taken care of. That's my aim. Make sure that they're, they have their needs met. Okay, that's good. That's good. But, but then what? Right? I mean, that's a good aim, but is that the main aim? What, what happens then? You provide everything for them, then what? Because they're still getting older. Well, I'm going to all enroll them in school, make sure that they get a good education. That's great. Then what? I'll discipline them. Make sure that they become a de- decent human being and have a, a respect for authority. Remember last week we talked a little bit about the spanking. I might have got a little Kerry Wade with that. I don't know. I, I saw some kids. I, I saw one young man at the football game the other day. And I said, did I freak you out with all that uh, to talk about spanking? He's like... Well, my mom said that maybe she ought to try that. Somebody said, I told her I didn't think she needed to. So I said, well, you probably didn't need them. But anyway, I mean, and I think everybody knew where I was going with that last week as far as uh, I joked around a little bit. But, you know, it's not just about the, the, the physical correction. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I support spanking, obviously, when it's necessary. But it's, about, it's all about discipline, right? It's just about making sure that your kids know what authority is and that they follow that, right? And so I think you understand that. But, uh, but anyway... Uh, so then that's great, but then we want to give them opportunities that we didn't have, right? Every parent, I want them to be able to do what I didn't do. And that's, that's great, that's fine, but then what? That can't be the number one aim. Uh, we want to make sure that they get to practice so they can get a sports or a music scholarship. Great, then what? We help them get into college to get a good degree, to get a good job. Then what? Teach them to work hard and provide for themselves. Well, then what? Match, match them up with the person of your choice to marry, right? It, what do you laugh? It's how it works, right? All right. 
Uh, then what? Well, you, then you spoil their children to pay them back for all the ha- havoc that they wreaked in your life when they were growing up, right? Uh, we're going to give them good investment advice so they can retire comfortably. Great. But then what? Well, I'm going to stockpile a bunch of money so that I can leave them a bunch of money when I die. Well, then what? You, get, you see where I'm going with this, right? Everything leads to a, a, a then what? So here's what we've got to do. I believe that we need to have an eternal vision for our children. We need to have an eternal aim for our children because we have to remember that they are eternal beings. Every one of us are an eternal being. Our body isn't. Our physical body will die, but our soul will live on forever, right? So there's only two targets, right? I mean, if we're the bow and the kids are the arrow, there's only two targets to choose from. Heaven or hell, right? It's that serious. If we don't have a definite target, somebody will get hurt. Amen? In fact, if you read the rest, of, I quoted uh, Proverbs 29, 18 a minute ago. But if you read the verse before it, it actually says this. Let me back up a verse. Proverbs 29, this is actually verse 17. It says, Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall be, give delight unto your soul. Where there is no vision, the people perish. We quote that verse all the time where there's no vision of people perish, but it actually follows, speaking of correcting our children. If there's not a definite aim, if there's not a vision for where we're sending our kids, not monitoring the people that they're around or you name the, what they're watching, what they're hearing, we, it's, it's our job to aim them towards heaven. Amen? If you don't have a definite target, they'll get hurt. What is your aim as a husband or as a wife? Okay, remember, these are the most important elements of our life. Second to our relationship with God, our relationship with our spouse is the most important. Amen? What is your aim? Do you have an aim as a husband? You're like, well, I don't know. I just just married to her, right? I mean, we, we just live life together. What's your aim as a wife? I don't know. I put up with him, you know? I believe that we, give it some thought. I know this seems silly, but really, this week, I, I want to challenge you to give it some thought. What, what is my aim? What do I really want to, what kind of husband do I want to be? What would be my ultimate goal? That when, when, when me or sweetie dies, whichever comes first, what do I want to make sure I've accomplished as a husband? I mean, I want to be honest now. You don't have to answer this question out loud, but just be honest with yourself, okay? How selfish are you in your marriage? You know what the majority of marital problems are? Selfishness, right? We've made the marriage about us and how it, how it meets my needs. And we forget many times that we are called to meet the needs of our spouse, right? What is our aim? Most people get this backwards. Our marriage is our number one priority over our kids. It's true. Um. You really, we have to have a good bead on this, kind, this target in our marriage before we can really point our kids in the right direction. Isn't that true? I mean, if dad's shooting over here and mom's shooting over here, it's going to be awful hard to tell the kids where to shoot, right? And so our, our marriage, other than our relationship with God, our marriage is the most important. It really is. Over our kids, over our job, over our hobbies, but most people get strong, including now, there's been times in our life we've got this mixed up. There's times where we run our kids all over the place and do everything for put everything into our kids and you know forget date night, forget time that we spend with one another. 
And uh, that's not good. That's not, that's not healthy. So our aim as a husband or as a wife should be to make our spouse's life more enjoyable. What if that was your aim? I, I'm her husband. I mean, think, I want you to think about this now. She chose you. You say, well, I just don't, she don't use good judgment. Apparently, she chose you, right? So, but anyway, you know, marriage, marriage is for life. Marriage is for life, and they chose you. Do you, I mean, you don't, want them, you don't want them to regret that, do you? I mean, don't you want them to be glad they married you? I chose this loser for life? No. You, you, want, to be, you want them to be glad that they chose you for the rest of their life. So um, make your goal to be making their life good and happy and joyful. And when you do that, that person will reciprocate in the same way. You'd be doing yourself a favor by making sure their life is a good one. Amen? And, then, and coexisting doesn't count. There's a lot of marriages where it's just about, it's about coexisting. We just kind of live together. That doesn't count. When we stood in front of one another before God and witnesses, we vowed to love, honor, and cherish. Not just live in the same house. Not just share the bills, share the bed, share the kids. To love, honor, and cherish. That was our aim when we got married. Okay? So, sometimes, many times, our aim gets off. Right? And I believe that God is just calling us back as far as our marriage. Satan, hell, is coming against marriages like, like we've never seen before. We all know that. And many of you have been through a hard time in your marriage. And that, I'm not pointing any fingers or finding fault with you at all. There's been a lot of people that, you know, God's grace covers us and God's grace heals us. But let me say this for those of you maybe who are, uh, you know, going through something or maybe that your marriage may be great. That's good. You know what? If your marriage is great, number one, you need to hear this too because we need to be reminded. reminded. But number two, find a young couple whose marriage is struggling and, and, and sow into them. If you've got a good marriage, there's a reason for that. Your aim has been proper. Your aim has been correct. Take that what you have. Pastors aren't the only ones uh, that can do marriage counseling. If you've got a good marriage, then you're qualified to give marriage counseling. Amen? Let that be your aim. Loving each other with the love of Christ. Loving my wife, loving your husband with the love of Christ. See, us husbands, we said something like this. We will love our wife the same way that Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Meaning he gave his life. He was willing to die for the church and that's the type of love men are supposed to have for their wives. Flip over here into 1 Peter chapter 3. Let me read you something. 1 Peter chapter 3. I want to read about the first seven verses, okay? <clears throat> Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. Meaning that ultimately you as a wife can be an example and be a witness and you can ultimately lead your husband to the Lord just simply by staying faithful to God and staying faithful to Him. When they see your respect and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, 
But let your adorning be hidden, uh, be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable, imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet, quiet spirit. Now, many have taken this verse so literal that it means you can't wear any, you can't braid your hair. And it has nothing to do. He's not saying, okay, don't wear any jewelry or don't braid your hair. What he's saying is, don't let that be what defines you. It's not about impressing everybody with your all your bling, right? It's about being, and he goes on to say. Uh, let, let your adorning be the hidden person, what's in the heart, with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which, is, which in God's sight is very precious as a wife. Have that gentle and quiet spirit, right, in which she's, it's, it's not a I'm better than you, it's about authority, it's about the order of things that God has established. When a, when a wife submits to the authority of her husband, she does so not as a worthless slave, but as in that proper place and saying, God, you have, the, my husband is my covering. That's the, way, that's the way God designed it, okay? And so when a woman's aim is to uh, honor her husband, okay, Follow his lead. Follow his authority. That's the proper aim. And it's done out of a motive of love, right? That's the way God designed it. Okay? I know that's not PC, and I know that that's not the the mainstream. Watch any sitcom. That's not what you're going to see. That's not the pattern you're going to find in a modern-day sitcom, right? How many of you know that modern-day sitcoms aren't the way we're supposed to follow our life, right? Okay, I'm going to make sure everybody knows that. Um... Okay, this goes further. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abram, Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, not stepping on her as the weaker vessel, not lording over her as the weaker vessel, not berating her as the weaker vessel. It doesn't mean the weaker vessels. It means she's less important. No. Typically, for the most part, women are weaker than men. men. God made men stronger. Why? So that we can take care of our women. Okay? It's, it's not an insult. It's, it's, a, it's a blessing. So he's saying, not, not look down or berate her as a weaker vessel. Honor her as the weaker vessel. What if every husband's aim was to honor his wife, make her glad she married him. Since they, us, husbands and wives, are heirs with you of the grace of life, we inherit the blessings and the grace of God together. Look at this now, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Okay, I want to make sure everybody heard this last part, okay? I'm going to read it again. Since they are heirs of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. What is a hindered prayer? It's one that just can't quite get through to God. Many times, I'm not painting with a broad brush. There's times you may be giving your wife all the honor she's due, and you may be submitting your husband and giving him all the honor you're due, and you're still going through hard times. I'm not painting with a broad brush. But I want you to understand this morning, according to Scripture, that many times, maybe possibly most times than not, when we in our homes, go through very difficult, struggling things, and we pray, and we pray, and we pray, God fix this, God fix this. Lord, we don't have enough money for that. Lord, we don't have enough money for that. We're all focused on the money. How many of you know that if your problem is money, money is not the answer to your problem? Did you get that? If, if your problem is money, money is not the answer to your problem. You get all the money in the world, you just have more problems. 
So we're worried about money and praying, God, give us more money, or, or you name it. I mean, all these problems, and, and we're praying, God, fix this, God, fix this. And God's saying, I can't hear a word you're saying because you're not honoring your wife. You're, you're disrespecting your husband. I didn't make this up, man. I, mean, you, I know you stoned me. You can stone me afterwards, and that's fine. I can see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, right? I mean, your prayers, he said, are hindered because the aim isn't right. It's something to consider. It's something to consider. Forget whatever problems you have in your home right now. Lay them all on the back burner. Put them all on the, under the bench. And look to your husband, look to your wife and say, God, help me to fix my aim. We're shooting each other, right? We're aiming at each other. We gotta, no, we're gonna, Lord, we're going to aim toward you and your will. And I'm telling you, according to the word of God, if it's faithful at all, and I believe that it is, when that aim gets fixed, all of these other little problems will start to take care of themselves. I believe God gives us an invitation just to try and see. Amen, if that doesn't work. It will. Man, remember, without a definite target, someone is going to get hurt. What is your aim? I don't want to spend a lot of time on every one of these. Like I have these, but what is your aim as a Christian? Okay, as a child of God, other than heaven. I mean, obviously, our aim is heaven. We all want to get to heaven. Other than that, as a Christian on earth, in this life, what is your aim? Have you ever really stopped to think about it? What's your goal? I mean, you just kind of, you know, you know, going to church. I mean, is it just what is your goal as at being a Christian? Other than just getting to heaven, what's your aim? Is it to be the salt of the earth, or are you you kind of more like the vinegar of the earth, right? We're called to be the salt where we give good flavor. And many Christians are, are like, it's, it's like you're around Christians, it's like drinking vinegar. Sour face, you know, if you put, take a big drink of vinegar, your, your face is going to close in on itself, right? I mean, it's just, mm, bitter. Is my goal to make everybody do things my way and believe my way? Or, or is my goal to be salt, right? Salt preserves things. Salt gives flavor to things. Salt heals things. If I gargle salt water, I've got a sore throat, and I gargle salt water, it will bring healing to my throat. If I gargle vinegar, I'm going to puke, right? We are called to be salt, not vinegar. So if, I, if my aim is, Lord, use me to flavor the world around me, to make it better. Salt makes mashed potatoes better. You don't believe me? Eat some without it. Yeah. That's exactly, Carter gets it. So, my aim is to make the people around me better and to bless the people around me and draw them closer to God. Is, is, your, is your aim as a Christian to be the light of the world or is it to just kind of blend in with the darkness? We don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want to stand out. We just kind of want to blend in, have our little Jesus time and, and, and you know, we got our little light and we're hiding it under a bushel so that we can go to heaven one day because that's ultimately our aim. As long as I can get to heaven. I believe our aim needs to be a little bigger than that. I believe that our aim needs to come from a heart of love. Amen? Where it's not just all about me and salvation. It's about maybe I can just do something on the way. I'm on a journey to heaven. Maybe, just maybe, I can say something, do something along the way that will bring somebody else to salvation. You know every single person in this room is capable of that? It's not just preachers and pastors that are called to lead people to Christ. Every Christian is capable of leading somebody else to Jesus Christ. And that should be our aim. Amen? Again, not for selfish motives, but out of love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, 
and a sincere faith. Amen? Is our goal to be a witness to the lost or just kind of put in our hour on Sunday? Is it to be an acquaintance of Christ or is it to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Jesus gave us a very clear target to aim at. He really did. So I know, we, I know the church of mankind is complicated over the years, but Jesus really gave us a pretty clear target. Follow me. Amen? Take up your cross, follow me, and I'll show you the path. If Jesus is our aim, we'll never get off track. Never. What's your aim as a member of this church body? I mean, I don't say member in the sense of a role where you got your name on it. We don't have that type of membership. But if, you're, if this is your church, you come here, this is where you're fed, this is where you serve God, this is your member of this church body, so what is your aim? As a member of, of this church body, is it to just go to church? Is it just to be here when the doors are open? Or is it to, to draw closer to Christ? Is it to be ministered to? Or is it to minister to other people? I believe both of those should be in our aim. We obviously should come here and be part of this church to get ministered to. But every one of us should have something in us that also wants to minister to somebody else. I got a good marriage, so I'm going to help this couple who doesn't have such a good marriage. This person's struggling with alcohol. I used to struggle with alcohol too, and so I'm going to help them. Whatever your testimony is, what is your aim in coming to church here? Is it just to come into church, put your hour in once a week, or is it to contribute something to the kingdom of God? You say, well, I don't have nothing to contribute. Yes, you do. You really do. You really do. And God will show you, let me tell you something, you start praying for a target There'll be one come out. If, you're, if you go out in the woods and you're deer hunting and you're looking and you don't see any deer, all of a sudden a deer walks out in front of you, you know what to do, right? You know, suddenly know, you suddenly know what your target is. And if you're praying and you're hunting and saying, God, show me my aim. How do I contribute to the body of Christ around me? There'll be a deer walk out. There'll be something. Somebody come in your path. God will lay something on your heart. There'll be something that'll step out and the Holy Spirit will instantly say, that's your target. Amen? But you got to be hunting. They always, they always say you get those avid deer. I'm kind of a fair weather hunter. You know what I mean? I, I hunt when the weather's good, right? And I don't like to get up really early. I'd rather hunt in the afternoon. And so, but you got these real avid hunters, rain or shine, snow or sleet, hell or high water, as they say. They're going to be out there in the, the woods. They're going to be hunting. Nothing can keep them out of hunt. And those people, those hunters will tell hunters like me, you're not going to kill one if you ain't out there, right? You're never going to kill a deer from your bed, right? If you want to kill it, you have to be out there. And so it's the same situation. We're never going to hit our mark and be, and be a part of this body the way God wants us to if we're not seeking Him and out there to decide where's the target. Amen? Okay. Uh, is it to, to get locked in or to get left out? I marvel at times, there's been, I mean, in 12 years, there's lots of people that have come in and out. And I marvel at times when people say, well, I just, I just didn't know anybody. Or I just, uh, you know, I've not, not had very many people say we weren't friendly. But I just, I don't know, you know, getting to know, getting locked into the church um, is just as much your responsibility as it is the church's responsibility. Okay, now everybody likes to put that on the church to, to make them get, feel welcome and to get locked in and all that kind of stuff. And we can do all we can do. Right, we provide services. We have we can have uh, you know dinners and functions and try to make opportunities for people to get locked into the body. Not just I don't want people to just go to church here. I want you to get locked into the body of Christ here. There's a difference. 
Because then you get to know people. You know what they're going through and you can pray for them. They know what you're going through. They can pray for you. So we get locked in or we get left out. That all depends on whether or not we're willing to put ourselves out there and come, be here. Get locked in. Amen? Involve yourself or dissolve yourself. Right? I'm going to get involved or I'm going to dissolve. I'm just going to kind of, you know, shy away from the people who desperately care about me. I want you to look around to the people in this room. And I want you to, every single individual, I want you to understand. And I'm not just saying this because I'm the preacher. I'm saying this sincerely. Look around here and see the people in this room. They care about you. They honestly love you and care about you. Don't let, the, don't let Satan lie to you and tell you anything else. Oh, they're judging me, or they really don't want to pray for me, or I, I don't really want to talk to them because they're going to, put me, they're going to look, look differently at me. I want you to understand that this, people care about you in this place. Don't shy away from that. Amen? Take advantage of that. Dedicate yourself to the success of this church. This, the ministry that takes place here at Crossway will be, has been and will continue to be uh, successful if we all dedicate ourselves to the success of the ministry through our aim, which is love. Love for God, love for people, love for one another. Get involved in that. Be a part of what God is doing. Dedicate yourself to the success. Otherwise, you, you kind of either do that, or there's people that just, they just hop from church to church finding what, quote-unquote, they want, what, what they are looking for. And at some point, you have to find a church that, that God is doing something. And now, we're not perfect. And as the saying goes, if you find a perfect church, don't go there. Because you'll ruin it. Right? None of us are perfect at all. And so there's not a perfect church. The reason there's no perfect church is because there's no perfect people. And churches are run by imperfect people. I'm not a perfect person, I promise you. If your aim is to please me or to follow me, man, you are way off your mark. Trust me. I'm a human being. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm not perfect, but, we, but we're worth investing in. Amen? And I know I'm preaching to the choir for the most part, but I'm saying don't let the devil give you straying eyes. Don't, get, don't let the devil convince you that everything is always about you. Just get on board and say, what can I do to contribute to the success of this, to make sure this church, right here, this one, is successful in spreading the gospel? You can do it. You're part of it. What's my aim as a pastor? Okay? I'm going to share this with you. Because I thought about this last night. I thought, you know, I'd, I'd never really stop to think about it. It's kind of like, uh, oh, who was it? Uh, was it Habakkuk or one of those prophets that God said to him, you know, write it down. You know what I mean? Take the vision, write it down, uh, make it definite. Make sure you know where you're heading. And I thought, I mean, I, I mean, so, I don't know, you know, preach and, you know, lead the church, you know. But when you really stop and think, okay, well, what is my aim as a husband? Or what is my aim as a Christian? And last night I thought, what is my aim as a pastor? I want to share it with you to hopefully encourage you and inspire you to do the same as it regards the success of this church. Number one, my aim as a pastor is to live for an audience of one. As a man, okay? I don't want to live... I mean, yes, I'm a pastor, but that's not ultimately who I am. I'm a man. I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. And so I want to live my life before God that everything I, I do and say and think will honor Him. That is my aim. I'm not saying I always do that perfectly, but that's my aim. That's my goal as a man and then as a pastor. I want to know, my aim is to know exactly what God's call is, right? 
I want to know exactly what the Spirit is saying, how the Spirit is leading, and be obedient to that. Okay? I want, my aim is to follow God's opinions and not man's opinions. Okay? My aim is to have a sincere love for people um, and to have God's anointing to minister to those people. Our goal, whatever your role is, our aim should be to have the anointing of the Holy Ghost to empower us to do that. Amen? That's what makes us ultimately effective. My aim is to lead people, just simply lead people away from sin and destruction and lead them to salvation. Lead them to Christ. Lead them to hope. Amen? And ultimately lead them to eternal life. My ultimate aim is to see every one of your faces in heaven. That's my aim. That's my goal. If I can, if, when I stand and I walk through the courts of heaven one day and I see your faces, folks, that's when I'll know I hit my mark. I, that's my aim. That's my goal. Any other, and, that's, and, and out of love, any other goal as a pastor, my goal is I want a big church. I want a huge congregation, but not for the reason you might think. I want the kingdom of God to grow. I want people to, to escape hell and go to heaven. Amen? My aim isn't to build a big fancy building so that we can brag about it or talk about our attendance and how great the offerings are. My aim is to see your faces in heaven. Amen? To see my, my family's faces in heaven. <clears throat> I pray, oh God, in all of your grace and in all of your mercy, don't, don't, let one, don't let one sheep miss it. Amen? Don't let one sheep, don't let the wolf have one sheep. Let's get them all to heaven. I want to get you all there and many more. Amen? But that's a, that's a job for all of us. Amen? That's not, that's not just my aim. It's my aim as a pastor, so that's the direction I'm going to be aiming the church. Okay? And so I hope that you all come in behind me and aim that same direction. Amen? Hallelujah. Got to have an aim. Got to have a vision. I have a vision for this church. Amen? It's the same aim. It's the same vision that Paul was instructing Timothy to have for Ephesus. Right? The aim of our charge is love. Let everything we do be in love. Our aim is not, cannot, should not be to have uh, the, the newest and best technology in a brand new facility. I'm all for technology. I'm for using it. I'm, I'm for using every new device we can if it helps enhance the kingdom of God. But folks, if the power goes off and we lose every bit of the, uh, the technology in this place, the power of God can still save souls. Amen? So our aim is not having all the stuff. Well, I mean, the stuff is fine and it's good. In fact, let me share this with you. I, I'm going to, uh, we're holding a, locally, we're holding a minister's summit with um, Westside Churches hosting it uh, this coming week, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And um, it was good. We had it, last, had it last year and we're having it again this year. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm speaking Thursday afternoon. And think about this, I guess until right now, but uh, Thursday afternoon, they'd asked me to speak and, um, uh, you know, what, what God laid on my heart. And this is, this is the title. Of, uh, they wanted the title for the thing. So what, what, do you, what do you really want to see God do in the church as a, as a whole? And uh, I'm going to be speaking on this. Balancing the old thing, or balancing the old paths and the new thing. Balancing the old path and the new thing. Okay, what do I mean by that? The old path, you know, Jeremiah said, we've got to get back to the old paths. And people said they refuse to walk in the old paths. Some people's mind of what the old paths are the old path that he was talking about ultimately was that we just simply listen to God and do what he says. Amen? 
God gives His direction and we follow it. That's the old path. The new thing, a lot of people misunderstand what the new thing is. It's not just about coming up with some new fad, a new way of presenting gospel. The new thing that God was talking about was Christ. It was, it was salvation. It was the Holy Ghost that would move on human vessels to bring people to salvation. Amen? And so we have, we have these two extremes where everybody's getting all worked up and, and fighting against one another, okay? Our aim shouldn't be, uh, you know, a music style or to preserve the old or to have the new. It shouldn't be uh, just about um, whether or not, you know, our little pet doctrines and our little pet teachings and our little pet traditions. It's not about providing programs so that we can compete with the other local churches, Right? I mean, that, that's easy to get, it's a, it's a trap to easy to get in. People are looking, well, do we have a program for that? Well, this church does. Well, we better have one too so that they don't go over there. We come over here, we get into this big competition. That's not what it's about. If that's our aim, then we just will lock the doors and go home. Amen? So we have these two extremes pulling the tug of war on the rope. And God is calling us, so our aim is off. And so what we have to do is bring the ends of the rope together and tie a noose for the devil, amen? To, to work together within the scope of love, love for God, love for one another, and that's got to be our aim. And if it is, we'll hit our mark, and guess what will happen? People will get saved, amen? God will be glorified. Maybe there will be a community that thinks maybe there's something is, there is something to this whole church business. And what I want people to know is this. There's nothing to this church business. Nothing to it. Anybody can have a church service. Our aim is not about having good church services. That's not our aim. You're looking at me like I've got three heads. Of course we want good church services, but it's not, being the church is not just about how well we do a service. It's about how well we do service out there for the kingdom of God. Our aim is, is not to just have a good church service. Our aim is to glorify God and lead people to Christ. Amen? And when people come together, and that's everybody's common aim, we'll have one humdinger of a church service. Amen? Like, like we've had today. Hallelujah. That's the way it's all. All these other things are just studs in the wall. Right? I mean, not, there's not one stud in this church. I can't look at this stud and say, well, right here, this is a stud. That's what's holding the whole church up. And I'm going to focus on that stud. I'm going to focus on my tradition. I'm going to focus on the way I want church. And says, no, and God says, no, that has nothing to do. You can take that stud out. And, you know, I mean, you need it, but it's not what holds up the whole building, right? Jesus Christ, the glory of God, is what holds up the church. Not, not our attempts. Not our attempts. Amen? So, so my, my encouragement to you is this, as I'm going to encourage them in all their churches. Let us as God's people reason together. Let's be reasonable. Open-minded and come together with our differences and, and let, God, let God redirect us. Amen? I think it's one reason why. I think it's fair to say that the church of Jesus Christ is not as effective in 2018 as it was in 100, right? We're in 2018 A.D. And then look at the church as we read through in 100 A.D. They were more effective. You know why? Because their aim was right. Even though they were being persecuted, their aim was right. We love God, we love Christ, and we love these people. We want to see them go to heaven. Amen? Okay, I've got to hurry through this. Let me, let me read you one more scripture here. Uh, it's in Philippians chapter 3. <clears throat> Common, you, you guys know this scripture, and I'm not going to read all of it. But Paul, you know, ultimately, Paul is saying, look, if anybody has a reason to brag about 
how religious they've been. He said, I've got more of a reason to brag than anybody. He said, I was a, I was a Pharisee. Uh, I knew the law forward and backward, persecuted the church. You talk about a guy that had the wrong aim. He was aimed in the wrong way. He was trying to stamp out Christianity. But he thought, he thought he was aiming at the right target. You see what I'm saying? Paul thought he was doing God a favor. But he was completely aiming at the wrong target. Paul said, everything I aimed my life at, the law, religion, getting rid of Christianity, all of that now... It's like a big pile of dung. That's what the King James says. You know what dung is. I don't have to elaborate. Paul said it's dung. It's, it's useless. I don't care about it. All I care about now, he said, is to share and identify with Christ in His sufferings. I just want to know Christ better. His aim, his, his aim was fixed from what it was to what it needed to be. And then he says this, verse number 12. Not that I've already obtained this, not that I've already arrived at some place of perfection, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, this is the message, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? I've got my eyes set on the proper target, I'm aiming for the prize in Christ. And that's what I'm going to give my life for. I'm not going to look back. I'm going to press with everything I've got, run as hard as I can toward that prize, that mark. Amen? i tell you what, I hope that this message does something for you, not, not just as a sermon, but I, I hope that you'll chew on this. Uh, this sermon will be on the website. It'll be on iTunes. I hope you'll listen to it again. Not because I think I just did a fantastic job. I could always do better. But my, my point is this, as I believe that it will literally change our life if we can grab a hold of what the Spirit of God is saying here to us. And, uh, you know, it's always amazing to me how God can confirm and show it. Last night, I kid you not, I'm not making this up. I'm sitting at my desk and, and, uh, in my office at home, and, and I'm studying on this and thinking about it. And, of course, my mind, you know, I'm a squirrel chaser anyway, so it, ta- it takes a lot to get my mind reined in. And so, uh, you know, I'm trying to focus on this, and I'm kind of thinking about other stuff, so I'm struggling with it a little bit. But um, Kelsey was in there. She was, trying, she was doing homework. She had a whole bunch of uh, college homework and... So she was sitting in there where it was quiet, and, and of course we were talking to each other, so it wasn't that quiet. But anyway, uh, she's sitting in there, and, and she's got a lot of homework. It's kind of building up, and she, she finally she just stops. I kid you not, I'm studying this message, and she stops, and she goes, out of the blue, she had no idea what I was saying. She goes, should I just, she said, I'm never going to, I don't think I'm ever, I could work on this all night long, and I don't think I could ever get it done. Should I just like set a goal for what I want to get done tonight and work towards that goal, or should I just, you know, go at it, you know, and... Not knowing, I mean, knowing I'm not going to be able to get it all done tonight. I said, set a goal, <laughs> right? So, I mean, what's the chances? You know, she says this to me, and the thing about it was, and it really began to speak, you know, you know, to me. So both of us, I said, I tell you what, you set a goal. We, we wanted to do some stuff as a family last night. So I tell you what, we'll set a goal at 8 o'clock. Uh, we're going to get as much done until 8 o'clock. Uh, you know, you said whatever your chapter you're on, and I'm going to get this done uh, by 8 o'clock, so we'll stay focused, 8 o'clock, and then we'll go do uh, our family thing. And so we, we decided to set that as our goal. Um, little did, Brady had no idea what our goal was, but as we're working on this, aiming towards our goal, I kid you not, 30 seconds later after we made that goal, 
Brady cranks the music up. He cranks up some, uh, a song that he knows I like, cranks it, says, Hey, Dad, this is for you. I mean, he, did, he didn't know that we were in there thinking, Okay, we really need to concentrate and get this done. Boom, he cranks the music. And I, I, I'm, I'm sitting up there at my desk going, you know, I mean, I'm getting into it. So, and Kelsey, Kelsey said on there, she's like, this is not helping, you know. So it's the bottom, the, but the point is, there's always going to be distractions. There's always something to come up in our life. Satan will make sure that there's something in your life and in our life to get us distracted from what we're aiming at. Amen? And we just have to do like Paul said, impress toward that mark. Tune out the voices that aren't God's voices. Amen? I want to give you, I'm going to say this last thing. Three words. I want it to stick. May even have you repeat it after me, right? When somebody's got a gun and they're aiming at something, what do they always say? Ready, aim, fire. Okay? So my challenge to you is this ready, aim, love. Gotcha. Ready, Aim, love. One more time. Ready, aim, love. Stand to your feet with me this morning, would you please? Hallelujah. Bow with me today. Father, we look to you again. God, we thank you for...